0: Donald J. Trump is the most important figure in the Republican Party, but he merited only 10 minutes of questions from the moderators, Brett Bayer and Martha McCallum. The candidates were clashing and the Milwaukee crowd was getting rowdy. After an hour of policy discussion, the first Republican primary debate of 2023 had turned chaotic when the Fox News moderators brought up the elephant not in the room. Donald J. Trump was not on stage on Wednesday, but the mere mention of his name created fireworks. Chris Christie, the former New Jersey governor, urged Republicans to stop normalizing the former president's conduct. His rival Vivek Ramaswamy responded that Mr. Trump was the best president of the 21st century. A sleepy debate had yielded to a gloves-off battle over the future of the Republican Party. As the audience drowned out Mr. Christy with booze, Brett Bayer, one of the moderators, paused and turned in his chair. The more time we spend doing this, the less time they can talk about issues you want to talk about, the anchor told the audience, like a headmaster scolding fidgety students. So let's just get through this. It was an eat your vegetables moment that underlined the tensions and contradictions of an awkward evening for Fox News. Mister. Trump's four criminal indictments and his denial of the 2020 election results are undoubtedly newsworthy. But many conservatives who watch the network are hostile to open criticism of Mr. Trump. Roughly 10 minutes after Mr. Bayer asked the first question about Mr. Trump, his co-moderator, Martha McCallum, abruptly informed the candidates that they would be moving on. Traditionally a chief gatekeeper for candidates in a Republican primary, Fox News had to stage its debate without the party's most important figure, who is nursing a feud with the network. Mr. Trump even arranged counter-programming, he pre-taped a friendly interview with the ousted Fox News host Tucker Carlson that was posted on X, formerly Twitter, just as Fox's broadcast began. We'll get bigger ratings using this crazy forum that you're using than probably the debate, our competition, Mr. Trump told Mr. Carlson, a boast that, in true Trump fashion, was factually dubious and doubled as a slight. Mr. Trump had plenty of reasons to dodge the Fox debate, he would rather not lend his spotlight to lesser-known rivals, and the criminal proceedings against him had raised the risks of offhand comments on live TV. Still, Mr. Trump's decision to appear in an online video, instead of a nationally televised debate, reflected the changing role of cable news in presidential campaigns, where mass media has yielded some of its gatekeeper powers to more niche outlets aimed at diehard fans, not swing voters. Eight years ago, Fox News drew a record 24 million viewers for the first debate of the 2016 Republican primary. Americans tuned into gawk at Mr. Trump, then a novelty, who dominated the evening with tasteless attacks on Rosie O'Donnell and a fiery clash with the moderator Megyn Kelly, who attempted to hold Mr. Trump to account for his misogynistic behaviour. At the time, Mr. Trump's name-calling and aggressive presence were an anomaly in the relatively civil arena of presidential debates. On Wednesday, his legacy could be seen in the broadsides of candidates like Mr. Christie, who compared Mr. Ramaswamy to a human version of ChatGPT. The only audible expletive came from an off-color lyric in Rich Men north of Richmond, the popular country song and conservative anthem that Fox News played ahead of the night's first question. Privately, Fox News management downplayed Mr. Trump's absence on Wednesday night, although the network's chief executive, Suzanne Scott, visited Mr. Trump at his New Jersey club this month to try to persuade him to appear. On Wednesday, the Fox moderators earned some praise for asking a string of substantive questions on subjects ranging from abortion rights to climate change to former Vice President Mike Pence's refusal to go along with Mr. Trump's efforts to overturn the 2020 election results. This was not the first time that Mr. Trump had snubbed a major Fox event. In January 2016, on the eve of the crucial Iowa caucuses, Mr. Trump pulled out of a network debate because Ms. Kelly was set to be one of the moderators. Let's see how much money Fox is going to make on the debate without me, he taunted at the time.
1: A memo to sports headline writers over America. We know you're looking for clicks, but I saw this one this morning. Look at the Eagles, Dolphins, Cowboys got a haul because of how badly the 49ers whiffed on the Trey Lance deal. You guys all realize um, the next draft they found their franchise quarterback and they landed in the same space, a cheap, talented quarterback who they don't have to pay big boy money to for three to four years. Finding a quarterback in the seventh round last pick, that's unprecedented. That's almost impossible. Whiffing on a first round pick happens all the time. Getting aggressive, moving up for a quarterback that doesn't work. That happens all the time. How you get a franchise quarterback is not that relevant. That you get a franchise quarterback Is really relevant or the coach and GM lose their jobs. Pete Carroll's a legend. Before he landed Russell Wilson, they gave Matt Flynn a three-year deal with a chance to make $26 million. He threw nine passes. They traded a second-round pick for Charlie Whitehurst. He never played. Then they landed Russell Wilson. Matt Flynn and Charlie Whitehurst disappear into the ether. They found their franchise quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo, older quarterback, couldn't stay healthy. So the Niners rolled the dice, traded up to get a young, sturdy, athletic, coachable, smart kid. Didn't work. But also it should be noted, the following year, last pick in the draft, they found it. Does it matter that Pete Carroll traded a second round pick for Charlie Whitehurst or they were going to pay Matt Flynn up to $26 million? How in life has a thousand paths? That doesn't care which one you take. Denver Nuggets. Did you know they drafted Rudy Gobert with a first round pick 10 years ago? Moved off it in about an hour. The next year they got Jokic in the second round. They got their center nobody cares how and that are two different things nfl's a bottom line business the niners got joe montana in the third round kaepernick in the second brock purdy in the seventh (laughs) jimmy garoppolo in a trade steve young in a trade well most of those guys gotten him to a super bowl how who cares that important i mean go look at the jets they fly out to malibu they're desperate They got Aaron Rodgers. How? They hired Nathaniel Hackett. They told him they get in Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard, whatever. They've got Aaron Rodgers. How they got him, who cares? That they got him is everything. Go look at Jared Goff. The Rams give up a haul to move up to get Jared Goff. A haul. Looks like a bust. Fire a coach. Get a new offensive coach with no head coaching experience. Goff gets good, goes to a Super Bowl. They pay him a fortune. But a year and a half later, they get tired of him. Then they give up a bunch of picks get Matt Stafford and win a ring. Nobody cares. Sean McVay's ring never falls off. They got the ring. Rams were even bad now, doesn't matter. Got the ring, Kyle Shanahan doesn't have one. Everybody worries about the how. Don't, how you end up happy in life is irrelevant. That you end up happy in life is everything. J Mac is, Ryan is, I am. Different paths. The Niners have their franchise quarterback, and they don't have to pay him for three years. Nobody cares how Pete Carroll found his, Brady was in the sixth, Dak was in the fourth, Tony Romo and Kurt Warner were undrafted. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Everybody gets caught up in the how. That. Headline writers. The headline is, Niners have their franchise quarterback and will pay him a nickel for the next three years. His name is Brock Purdy. It all evens out. They even have a good backup, Sam Darnold, who could start for teams. They're fine. The Trey Lance thing happens about half the time. You either draft a guy in the first round, you move up for a guy in the first round and quarterback. The hardest position to evaluate doesn't work out. Doesn't mean he's a bad kid. Doesn't mean he can't play. Just not in San Francisco. It's fine. They got him names brought pretty. All right, speaking of headline writers, we used to have a president and he always used the term fake news. And there is some fake news out there. There's a lot of people now, bloggers, uh, you know, anonymous stuff. You don't know who's writing what. New York Times, Washington Post, Chicago Tribune, ABC, NBC, CBS. Even many of you think they have agendas, right? Now we have a cable world where this one is right-wing stuff, this one is left-wing stuff. CNN was this now they're that yeah I understand it political stuff has agendas but there are legitimate news organizations but I do see stuff in the media where I understand why you the consumer get worn out and that this is not a big deal but you should try to ask questions that you don't know the answer to and I saw this headline this morning USC quarterback Caleb Williams caleb williams says he's not decided whether to enter the 2024 nfl draft yeah he has it's over and every fan knows it he's gonna be a top five pick probably number one overwhelmingly number one if he doesn't get hurt there's no story when it comes to young athletes or young people or victims you tread more lightly the season hasn't started no reporter should be employed If he's still struggling with the idea of what Caleb Williams is going to do after this year, you shouldn't be employed. It's not difficult. Who drafts him? We don't know. That's worth a discussion. Arizona Raiders, Texans. That's fascinating. That he's going to leave after this year. It's done. It's over. Don't be naive. It's over. Well, Colin, the NIL is irrelevant. USC probably works deals to pay him three to four million bucks a year. He's going to sign a contract It's the number one pick for whatever number one picks get. He's leaving. It's over. I told you two years before Andrew Luck got drafted, he's going to be number one. I told you two years before Trevor Lawrence got drafted, when he played in the national title game against Alabama, that's your number one pick. I'm telling you, you're in advance, and you know it. He's the number one pick if he's healthy. Drake Mace, probably too. Maybe Harris in the receiver from Ohio State. A lot of good players this year. Great draft. Great, great draft. Last year, a bad draft. But come on media, do better. We know he's leaving college. There's no debate. This is like college football writers who write about who's gonna win the Heisman in week three. Is that what really fans are talking about? I want to know who's gonna win the games. You're not even in the conference play yet. Caleb Williams is leaving college after this year. Why do a gotcha? Why do a find a quote you can you? He said what he has to say. You know, I haven't thought about that. All I care about is this season. The fact that he had to answer a question or it's a discussion or it's a headline, that's why people turn on the media. They don't care if we make mistakes. Listen, when a surgeon makes a mistake, a trapeze artist makes a mistake, a pilot makes a mistake, it's punitive. People can die. We all make mistakes in our life. This is not the end of the world. But there's a reason why trust in the media has plummeted and it's not on mistakes, it's on agendas. It's it's doing stuff just for, primarily, gotcha. This feels like a gotcha. Taylor Williams not decided what... It's over. It's all over. He's going number one if he's healthy. If he gets banged up, maybe somebody pauses and he goes two, three, or four. But it's not a story. Not to anybody who's being honest.
2: Hi... Are we experiencing an AI bubble? And is it about to burst? AI has seen huge growth and investment over the past few years, with companies like OpenAI reaching billion-dollar valuations. And of course, with this hype and soar of AI, we naturally start asking ourselves, is this the dot-com bubble all over again? And is it about to burst? Today, we're going to explore exactly that. Why AI has all of a sudden risen up so quickly? Is it too quick? Does that mean it's going to crash really soon? And how you can be involved, or should you be involved? Before we get into it, make sure to hit that subscribe button for more tech, coding, and career-related videos. All right, now let's get into AI. Can you think too when we really started to see these term AI and machine learning, chatbots, all of these terms starting to pop up and be used a lot of times incorrectly, but nonetheless used on social media? For me, I can look back and it was around last November, so almost a year ago. What happened last November? Well, of course, ChatGPT was released. And this really started the AI boom, mainly because for the first time in a long time, there was this tool that was available for the public to use and interact with AI. Now, we've seen different AI tools before in the past all the time be used, but having a tool that anyone everywhere, whether you are a programmer, a chef, an athlete, whomever you are, my grandma can start using, it made it all of a sudden feel like AI was accessible to anyone. And this really started the emergence of so many consumer AI tools, from chatbots, image generators, now we're looking at you know, audio generators, video generators, the list goes on. I mean, it doesn't end, it feels like. Everywhere you turn, a new tool is now coming up. And with this, there has been increased funding and valuations for prominent AI companies like OpenAI, which is currently around 29 billion, Anthropic, which is 4.5 billion, and Cohere, which is around 1 billion. And probably at the time of making this video to when you're watching it, even they will have gone up. So, naturally, with this boom and rise of AI, the next question is Are we living again in another dot com bubble from the 90s? Now, maybe some of you Or most of you are too young to remember what exactly happened in the 90s with this dot com bubble, so let me explain to you. It was in the 90s that internet and web technology really picked up for general consumers, similar to what's happening with AI. And many of these dot-com companies operated with untested business models. They focused heavily on building audience and market share without a proven path to profitability, which honestly sounds like a lot of these AI companies today. And as the story continues, venture capitalists continued to pour massive amounts of speculative capital into these startups, leading to sky-high valuations and not supported really by fundamentals. Okay, so here are some companies during this time that were really skyrocketing. One being Pets.com, Webvan, and Boo.com. They had multi-million dollar IPOs and valuations, but almost no revenue. And eventually what happens is, The capital funding, these money-losing dot-coms were drying up, and stock prices came crashing down. Actually, from 2000 to 2002, the Nasdaq lost 78% of its value as dot-com stocks imploded and when the market recognized the lack of viability for these companies, leading to a lot of high-profile companies going bankrupt. Now, what the dot-com bubble really did at the time and was supposed to continue doing is really reinforce the importance of doing your due diligence for investors. To be more skeptical of speculative valuation models without proven economics, however, as you can kind of see, there's a lot of parallels what happened back in the dot-com bubble boom and fall and then also to what's happening now with AI. Now, there's a flip side to this as well, so just stay tuned here. All right, let's look at the flip side of this. So many experts are also saying that this is not going to be a repeat of the dot-com bubble and here's why. For one thing, so many clear business use cases are emerging like predictive analytics, personalized recommendations, better ad targeting, chatbots for customer service. AI can really drive efficiency and automation in so many different areas for so many different industries. Speaking of different industries, large tech companies are investing heavily in AI. We've seen this at Microsoft, Google, Amazon, Meta, I mean, really every big tech company is really investing a lot of money into AI. And for these companies that have deep pockets, it allows them to absorb short term losses as the capabilities continue to develop. And a lot of these companies are really relying on AI for their everyday operations. For example, let's think of Netflix. Netflix uses AI for highly customized recommendations and predictive analytics, which essentially increases sales and lowers churn. Not to mention the government. Governments see AI expertise as vital, especially when it comes to national security and economic competitiveness with rivals. We use AI for everything from fighting wars now to teaching children to everything under the sun now, AI is really has its claws in or its hands. It's claws and hands. You know what I mean? And with AI being so closely intertwined with so many different things, the demand for AI experts far exceeds the number of actual AI experts out there. The jobs, there are so many job postings for AI from the technical or business side of things But there are not enough people to fill these roles, which is kind of ironic when you think about how scared we are that AI is going to take over all our jobs. There's a lot of jobs to be filled with AI. And finally, unlike the dot-com bubble, AI has the potential to transform multiple huge industries, including transportation, healthcare, finance, Media and more completely transform the way we operate with them today. I mean, let's talk about healthcare. AI can assist in diagnosis through pattern recognition in medical images, lab results, and patient data, literally saving people's lives by catching things earlier. Media, we've already seen so many changes with media, especially social media, both good and some not so good. I one example is AI that or individuals using AI to generate images and videos of these fake influencers who don't exist, which some people don't seem to care they exist, others really do care they exist and are fake, but the point being, you can now generate media right from your home, both interesting and creative media, but then also to false media, which is a whole, a whole other ballgame we're not going to get into in this video, but point being, it has changed media. And also retail. I recently saw a video, which I'll put on screen here, showing of how Shopify, is already or is about to implement AI with being able to really revolutionize the shopping experience that you can see these images in 3D, see what you're really going to get. You have never been able to interact with online shopping and these products this close before. It's pretty exciting. So I'm really curious to hear your take based on the information I've given you on both people who believe it's going to burst, other people who don't think it's going to burst. What do you think? Is the AI bubble going to burst or are we just going to continue to soar? One thing I want to add in here actually as I was wrapping up this video is I just saw on LinkedIn here, I'll share this with you. This was two months ago, so this is a few months old, but still very relevant. Last week, a French startup that is only four weeks old closed a US $113 million round of seed funding to compete against OpenAI, despite having no products and only recently hiring staff. How are we going to end that? Now, that's one way to look at the way things are going right now. Personally, I think there will be a small burst. (laughs) That's the technical term. I don't think it's going to implode as such the dot-com bubble did, but we can't maintain the way we are going.